Welcome to another Solidarity episode, uh, activism-focused reproducibility episodes that are a little bit shorter than our normal episodes. Um, today, I'm talking to uh, Sander van Brie. Pretty good. Yeah, nice. Uh, from the University of Birmingham. Um, and uh, Sander is going to talk to us uh, about workplace activism surrounding climate change. Um, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I'm a PhD student at the University of Birmingham. Um, I look at the relationship between brainwaves and memory retrieval, um, but I also spend a lot of time doing uh, green activism, trying to figure out what the, what's the most effective way for me to make an impact on climate change. Nice. Yeah, exactly. So uh, for context, I guess. So we met uh, in Berlin um, while uh, Sander was giving a um, presentation on this. Um, and I thought it'd be nice to to have this included in our solidarity episodes. Um, yeah, should we, should we jump right in? Mm -hmm. So I guess we've, we've got the general assumption that, so for context again, uh, that you would want to you'd be wanting to reduce CO2. Or like your the CO two that you the extra CO two that you produce, right, right, right yeah. Um, and now it's about like what can you do as an academic at your workplace? Sure, yeah. I mean, the the assumption is is that we have a, a major problem here, a major a catastrophe, right? So um, I would argue that that climate change ranks among the biggest existential crises for mankind, and therefore I think it's a serious cause of activism to be involved in and. Um, and I think the way to go about that is to focus uh, specifically on carbon dioxide, because that's sort of the main variable in the story here. And um, yeah, what I like to think about is what can I do as an individual to make sure that we stick to the limits postulated by the International Panel of Climate Change, such that um, we have the highest chance of uh, restricting the, the consequences of what's going on here. So yeah, CO2 is sort of my main variable there. Nice. Yeah. And then, and then uh, the idea is, is that I sort of started off uh, looking at the science and thinking about what I can do as, as sort of an individual. What, how, when I go through a week, what are some of the things that I do that cost a lot of CO2? And um, there's good studies that have looked at this and um, also, many surprising results um, I found. So, for example, there's a huge focus on recycling. People are talking about recycling, and recycling is certainly something that we ought to do, but it is comparatively actually a low-impact action. There are other things that um, we do that uh, cost a lot more CO2. Two notable examples include um, the consumption of animal products and um, air travel. These are serious um, CO2 costing actions. And, um, but then over time, I sort of also thought, well, you know, I am only one person and um, I have a certain moral responsibility to um, account for my CO2 output, but there are also bigger fish out there. You know, we are part of a system um, with many, many actors, and uh, I'm not the only person. I have a relatively minor footprint. So what are some of the bigger things that I can do? And then um, I landed on um, more societal policies, uh, restricting, for example, companies that are um, emitting a lot of CO2. But there, I rather felt that 
my while any policy change that I would be able to induce would be very large, it's, it's very hard to actually make an impact there, right? Because I'm just like one person and I've got all these companies and all these uh, politicians around me. It's very hard to affect change there. At that level, policy change at the sort of n national, international level, you mean? That's right. Yeah. As a single person, uh, I mean, ultimately, I have to look what I can do. Ultimately, it's pretty difficult for me as, as one person to do something there. So then we get to what you introduced us to, which is workplace activism, which I would argue is sort of in between because um, with individual actions, you have full control, but you have relatively little impact. And with activism about uh, society, uh, policies on a societal level, you have huge impact, but actually the chances that you uh, bring about any effects are relatively low. So I would argue that workplace activism is right in the middle where you can try to get policy through. And once you manage to get policy through, which is not unrealistic because probably you're well connected with everybody in your workplace, then um, you can see pretty strong effects of your policies because they'll, they'll um, still cover lots of people and lots of different actions. So I would argue it's a nice middle out approach where you uh, sort of use what's, what you have in your toolbox. Well, and probably depending on the kind of community that you're talking about, um, outside of just the effect that, that you'll have by sort of changing people's behavior or changing the sort of the institutional policy level, um, it's, it can probably also be quite a good um, sort of signal that University X is now only doing this or is not doing that or whatever. Absolutely, um, yeah. So I'd argue that actually it might even be helpful to then um, continue that that change on a on a higher level, maybe. Right. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. like the first domino in a whole row of dominoes that may fall. Yeah. That's another way of looking at it. And it's, yeah. Good point. Cool. Uh, well, should we jump right in? Uh, what, what, which one do you think is uh, of your suggestions is the most effective one? <laughs> All right. So to answer that question, I first look at which individual actions cost a lot of CO2. And then I sort of factor in which of these high impact individual actions are also applicable to my workplace. So I know that um, probably a lot of people listening are in academia and um, scientists are often flying around the world. They are, they have to uh, disperse their findings. You know, science is only useful to the extent that the knowledge that is gained is shared with other people. So um, Universities and um, research institutions are really hotspots for people to fly around the globe. And we know that flying is uh, very bad for the environment. So this is like one of those uh, shocking facts that I like to throw out. But if a single person comprehensively recycles for about eight years, then that person would save about as much CO2 emissions as if that person were to avoid a single round trip from London to New York. So that's about the same amount of CO2 and that's really mind blowing to me. So um, considering that that is uh, that flying is so bad for the environment, if we look at the numbers and considering that 
research institutions and uh, universities are also a hotspot for people to fly around the globe. I think that is something that one should try to affect policy upon. And um, now we can start to be creative um, and think about ways to bring about change there. Um, one option is, for example, trying to get people to fly less because I've looked at some flight data for the universities that I've been associated with. And there is a surprising and frustrating, I would argue, amount of domestic flights. So people just flying within the same country. And then I would argue, what if we nudge those people somehow to take the train over the airplane? That would I really hope you're talking about the UK there, not about the I, Netherlands. That's right. I'm yeah. not really sure how could you poss how you could possibly take a domestic flight in the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, it's a fair point. However, even in the UK, I've seen some ridiculous uh, lines, like from what is it? I think I saw one from Birmingham to London, which is like a couple hours by train. Yeah, yeah some people oh, are God. really. <laughs> Well, actually, I mean, didn't there? I feel like I feel like someone told me once that there used to be a regular flight from like Groningen to Amsterdam, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, these right. Things okay, so quite silly, <laughs> especially considering that the the takeoff is actually a large part of the CO two emissions. So, so, but anyway, to the point. Then um, I would argue that we should try and nudge people away. So, in universities, we often have. Um, uh, digital environments in place, uh, booking systems where people can book their flights because, of course, they don't have to pay themselves. So um, um, usually the university or funding agency pays. So this is many universities have digital systems in place. Um, and I would argue that if one, for example, tries to talk to uh, the people who organize this digital environment and says, Every time someone tries to book a domestic flight, maybe there could just be like a little pop-up that says, uh, we see you're, you're planning a domestic flight. This is going to cost this much CO2. If you were to take this particular uh, train route as an alternative, you would save this much CO2, just like a little pop-up window. And um, yeah, considering that many people would probably see this pop-up window, it seems to me that this is an effective way of, of bringing about change have you actually tried this because i mean this 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 does seem a little bit complicated right especially like finding the right trains finding the right trains yes i mean i i would actually be happy already if it's just the bare suggestion like consider going by train probably even that would already do something but uh, i know for example that uh, the university of birmingham and also the university of cambridge which i i've been associated with they both use a company called Key Travel, um, and I would argue maybe one could convince them that this is a, a noteworthy cause, um, or try to find try to find your local sustainability uh, office and talk to them about finding ways of nudging people out of air travel. It doesn't even have to be just domestic; it could could also be um, flights within Europe that just try and get people to uh, avoid taking the the plane and then of course one could say well sometimes we just have to fly that is of course true and then i would argue that uh, it's a noble thing to push for carbon offsetting which is uh, where you donate money to a cause that um, uh, tries to get the co2 out of the air again so you can use websites like Cool Effect, which are a non-profit, and they try and calculate how much money 
do you need to donate to projects that are saving CO2 again, such that you can sort of compensate for the actions that you have to do, for the actions that are unavoidable in terms of uh, traveling to the US, for example. And so you, you would, uh, so you, your argument would be to push the universities to um, to pay for this as well. That's right. And there's also different ways of doing that. One could simply make an appeal to um, the local sustainability office. Many of them have a little bit of budget for green causes. And then if one can make the argument that um, money spent on, for example, something like switching out plastic cups for paper cup, cups, if one can make uh, perhaps even um, uh, an argument with concrete numbers that if instead that money would be put to carbon offsetting, it would have a, a, a substantially more um, a beneficial effects for the for the environment. I think um, if one can make arguments like that, you might be able to, um, yeah, start your university, promote your university to start carbon offsetting approved flights, for example. Yeah, so I mean, so I, I agree in general, right? So because I, I guess it's I guess it's better to um, sort of all other things being equal, it's better to include um, something like some some kind of carbon offsetting um, in the costs as well uh, than to not do anything. But I, so I have I have several issues, I guess. So firstly, um, yeah, kind of what about greenwash? What about kind of greenwashing, uh, right? So. Um, Are you actually um, encouraging people to change here? Or are you just telling them that, I mean, really, they can continue doing whatever they were doing because, look, it's so cheap right. to uh, to buy these carbon offsetting um, paper certificates or whatever. Yes. That's my first one. Uh, so maybe you reflected that first. <laughs> yeah, sure. So first, uh, first uh, I'd like to echo what you just said, which is what I forgot to say, which is that, indeed, carbon offsetting is very cheap. So it only costs uh, maybe... A couple of uh, uh, euros to offset uh, a single flight. Um, so well, on 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 that website that you had, right? yes. Because uh, so I personally, I, I've used a different one, um, Atmosphere, where hmm. it's actually where it can get very expensive. Can get very expensive. Well, I would recommend Cool Effect in particular because there's a little bit of uh, academic work that indicates that it's uh, most uh, 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 most transparent and and optimally documented. So um, I would recommend that one in particular, but. Um, Moving on to your uh, counterpoint here. So greenwashing, uh, for people who don't know, is uh, really when you, you essentially said it, it's where um, it's somehow the idea that it's then okay to um, do CO2 emitting actions because you're getting it out of the air again anyway. Uh, so people won't uh, really... Like driving to a Fridays for Futures, uh, for future... Uh... I don't know, protest in an SUV or something. Yes, yes, something like that. So I would argue that um, any um, carbon offsetting activism should hopefully go accompanied by a type of activism that tries to get people to not fly in the first place. So I would argue it's good to nudge people away from flying, but the flights that have to be done, the flights that are unavoidable, which is often the case if you've got to fly to the other part of the globe uh, to uh, disperse your findings. Sometimes there's just no way around it. Also in some, some uh, person's personal life, sometimes you just have to see family. I would argue and then it's okay. So you need to get policy in place to nudge people away from flying in the first place, but the flights that have to be done 
I think ought to be carbon offset. And I think there's a good argument that it's cost effective to carbon offset the flights that have to be done. But then shouldn't it be, um, shouldn't the carbon offsetting be more expensive? Um, because I do think that, so, um, again, I mean, obviously, mm. I think the, yeah, the example that you had, uh, the talk was, um, was really quite low, um, like 10 euros or something for, mm -hmm. for this flight. Mm -hmm. um, like, is that enough of a cost um, to have to have the desired effect? I mean, like, I, I guess, I guess so your argument is that it, it has the effect in terms of, um, like that, that people did the research and um, uh, say, like argue at least that um, that amount of donate, like that kind of donation is equivalent to the amount of CO2 that you're uh, responsible for, right. the additional CO2. But um, I, so I'm, I'm thinking more about the kind of effect in terms of, yeah, kind of not like wanting to avoid flying a little bit more. Right. So, so essentially you're saying it's because it's so cheap it's easier to greenwash. It's, it's, it's easier to justify it, your your actions because you're you're just gonna be able to potentially. Get I mean, it. these are all empirical questions, right? But like, we're just we're just arguing here. Well, yes. Uh, well, if you, if you hold that position, I would argue that um, you should um, conduct your policy such that uh, motivational factors like that are no longer a role. So you could, for example. Um, um, change the degrees of freedom that individual researchers have by, for example, saying domestic flights, as a rule, um, cannot be offset, but um, we really seriously promote the train there. Um, and flights as of a certain distance can be offset, or, or in any way, in any case, try to get something in place such that um, people don't really think about are not really tempted by the low price of carbon offsetting anymore if that makes sense yeah i mean yeah so i i, I think yeah so it's kind of ties into um sort of my second uh worry um i think it's more more worry than criticism i guess which is um so that works with the uk um i assume from i mean because you've you've traveled in those uh, in that context um but in germany for example you've got um in at I think I think at, at sort of at publicly funded universities, um, you have rules whereby you need to um, take the cheapest uh, trans like means of transport that's available to you. Um, and so, if, I, I mean, at my at my institution, um, we do actually like there's there's a rule that you should you should take the train within Germany. But then outside of that, if the plane is cheaper than the train, um, and usually the tr the plane is also faster than the train, um, you you can't take that option. So I would I would argue that you for, can't take for the my train. context. Well, because the, the train will be more expensive right. yeah. than the plane most yeah. of the time. Yeah. So it. I would argue that for my context, um it would probably be best to sort of to push the university to include a very high um carbon offsetting exactly. cost exactly. in in their calculations to make to sort of include the actual price um a, a little bit more. Right. Yeah, or, yeah, or just try to switch around the whole system by arguing that it's not very green. Just to talk to people in that kind of yeah. But I mean, bureaucracy. bureaucracy. I, mean, I, I do think I have I have heard about places where they've got a rule, a rule something like um, if it's a twelve-hour train, if it's a twelve-hour train right away, you have to take the train. And I love that. Yeah, I would love that. That sounds fantastic. That that to me sounds like a way to to make sure that people don't just greenwash. Sure. Um, yeah, I think everything that I'm suggesting is not necessarily a one-size-fits-all. 
solution. Mm. I just rather think that um, we ought to keep in mind that flights are a very big source of CO2 emissions and everyone has to figure out with their own university and their own rules and policies how to best enact change against that. Yeah, uh, what they can do. Yes. So we've got like a, a whole range of uh, suggestions already <laughs> just for this one. <laughs> yes. And then um, if I can move on to another suggestion. Sure. Um, Still flights? No, I'd like to move on to no. um, diet. We know that uh, there's more and more evidence that animal products are very bad for the environment. Um, there are interesting graphs, which I'm sure we can put in the show notes that uh, um, uh, visualize how bad, uh, say, a burger is as compared to um, a plant-based alternative. And um, so again, I'm using this individual data to guide my workplace activism, where I'm seeing that academics are not just flying around the world, they are also organizing conferences. And um, at these conferences, many people are fed. And um, I would argue that it could be a good form of activism to try and make the argument that um, meat is sort of off the table and um, because it's so bad for the environment. And um, then one might say, well, there will be a lot of pushback. Uh, but from personal experience, this is actually not that bad because if you phrase it within the context of being green, actually many meat eaters are willing to drop that burger, to drop that tuna for for one time. Actually, um, um, people are willing. Can you tell us about your personal experience? Yeah, yeah. No, I um, I was surprised about this. At my past workplace, I tried to... Um, see if I could make the catering vegetarian. And um, while there was some pushback, about 80% of the entire workforce was happy to uh, try the policy, was happy to make all the catering vegetarian. And this really blew my mind. And this was also sufficient sufficient percentage to get the policy through. Um, so um, I would also argue if one wants to be a workplace activist, don't be pessimistic because um, there is a growing awareness of green issues and people are willing to uh, to give up something to help to help the planet. Mm. Well, especially if especially if you're not actually giving giving up as much as changing right. to another thing, right? Right. Nice. Yeah. So these are two well, that avenues. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, and um, I would argue, yeah, if any any person listening wants to um, become a workplace activist try and understand the organizational structure of the place where you work try and think about uh, things that cost a lot of co2 again i'll put a link in the show notes and um, conduct uh, your activism accordingly and there's very simple quick little things that we can do here's another one that uh, my supervisor thought of she um, includes a carbon offsetting price in the fee for the conferences that she organizes um, and then she donates um, that money to carbon offset all the flights. And um, the advantage of this is that it also very much bypasses bu bureaucratic barriers because um, it's very hard to to get funding agencies to make another transaction just for carbon offsetting. But if you include, if you tell your supervisor, hey, could you uh, make the fee eight bucks higher then, and donate all of that to, to carbon offset, then uh, I think if you just ask, if everyone listening asks their supervisor this, <laughs> then I think <laughs> you're going to have a lot of... Kind of change, that's kind of changing policy through the back door. I like yeah. that. But 
Does, like, does she include an option for people who, uh, for some, for whatever reason, are paying for the conference attendance for them by themselves to um, to not necessarily pay that? I guess because like you don't want to make it more expensive for people that yeah. are already in a. It's probably a good idea. It's probably a good idea. I think she didn't maybe didn't think that far. That's maybe a good option there. <laughs> See, <laughs> so always you can always optimize, of right. course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've you, you said you've like you've been quite successful um, with your with workplace activism that that you've um, tried to incorporate mm. into your daily academic life. Um, of course, like you, you can. I mean, I'm assuming that it's not going to be that easy for everyone. Do you have any tips for people um, on how to stay motivated, um, even in the face of, um, yeah, in the face of not at the, more adversity, I guess? Yes. All right. So what I like to do is I like to uh, lock my achievements uh, just for a little confidence boost. If I'm feeling or if I have, for example, uh, a failure, like, for example, an email thread has kind of run its course and you see that nothing's really going to happen. Um, don't be discouraged because, um, I mean, every, every little, every little bit does help. I mean, I would normally be skeptical of that statement when it comes to individual actions, but when we're talking about broad policy level change, if you, if you just get one thing through in, in, in your life, just one, one serious thing, then I would argue that that's, that it's pretty significant and uh, it, it will happen. Maybe not with the first email that you send, maybe not in the first month that you're trying to to bring about change, but if you just keep going and um, uh, you, you try to be efficient with your time um, or or you make it fun, like for example, sometimes in the evening, I just, I don't even really see it as work. I just put on some music and I start to write some messages to people. And change the world. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully <laughs> change the world. Well, I guess that's that's a pretty good note to end on. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Sure. Um, and well, I'm I'm very excited to hear um, more about uh, how how you how you continue to change um, your workplaces. Um, and yeah, if any listeners um, have any other suggestion we, suggestions uh, for this kind of stuff, we'd we'd love to hear that as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, thank you so thank much. Thank you very much for the platform, and uh, I hope that I've been able to inspire some listeners here. Oh, I I mean. At least me. So Great. there you go. Wonderful. Every little helps. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.